Take a seat. Very nice to see you all. Uh, my name is Ed. For those of you here for the first time just checking us out, um, you're very welcome. Hello. <laughs> Um, a nice wave. I think you're the first person that's ever waved. So thank you very much for doing that. Um, it's lovely to have you with us. Um, I lead the church with Hannah, um, who is just uh, leading the service. And this, um, for those of you who are just sort of um, dropping in, it's great to have you with us. You're very welcome. We always say to everyone, you're here on your own terms. So feel free to let the whole thing kind of wash over you or partake as much or as little as you like. We're here every week apart from those two weeks when we're not here. Um, I'm sorry about that. If um, you are here and you um, won't be able uh, to come to church because we won't be doing it, I think this is probably the last year. We're just very small and we have a small number of people running things and we kind of need a break. But this is probably the last time that we will do that over Christmas next year and partly because of where the Sundays lie, it means it's a bit difficult to um, put on services. But anyway, next year, full Christmas program. I'm going to promise that. Uh, and then possibly renege on it later. Uh, good. Anyway, this is um, the final talk in a kind of mini-series of talks about connections. So two weeks ago, Alice spoke about connecting to one another and how we all need to connect to one another um, to be part of God's community. Last week, Hannah talked about um, connecting to uh, culture and how we as a church are salt and light in culture, actually trying to affect culture in positive, uh, godly ways. And today, actually what I want to do is kind of do a, an overarching view of all these connections. And so really this is more about um, the vision for what we want this church uh, to be and what we uh, feel like God has called us to do. So if you're a guest or visitor, then, you know, this might be interesting. Uh, it might be something that you go, oh, actually, that sounds pretty cool. I want to be involved. Come along, get involved. But for um, us who are here, I think this is helpful. Nevertheless, I imagine most of you don't spend a lot of your waking hours trying to answer the question, I wonder what the vision of church is. You have more impressing concerns, like was the Great British Baking Show better with Noel and Sandy or with Mel and Sue? Yes, you do, don't you? Those are the things, you, and you can't quite work it out. Because actually, Noel and Sandy, they're pretty good, but Mel and Sue are better, just so you know. I do like the fact, if you don't know this, this is basically British people being terribly British and baking on TV. This is our gift to the world. We used to have an empire, we used to run the whole thing, and now we have the great British baking show. This is our gift to you, saturated fat and sugar. That's what we want you to have, and baking. And being terribly polite all the time. Anyway, so, so, nevertheless, despite not asking yourselves questions about, I wonder what the vision of the church is, we all need to belong. It's part of what it means to be human, to belong to something. And we as Christians think, actually, we need to belong not just to God, but to also a group of people who are all going in the same direction. And so despite the fact that you might not be asking these questions for very long, you will want a sense of belonging. And part of belonging comes from knowing where this good ship bread, good ship bread, is heading. <laughs> Firstly, because it gives us a security of going, oh, I'm excited about where it's heading. And secondly, which is really what um, Hannah was saying that God was showing her, 
It's about all of us going, I may have been downtrodden, I may have not actually had my um, gifts and my experience acknowledged, uh, but I want to be part of something, and God wants to use you to be part of something because it's actually not just good for the church, it's really good for us. When we are coming to church and going, I don't just belong, I'm actually part of making this thing happen. So for all those reasons, it's good to talk a little bit about vision. And this is important because we believe, first and foremost, that everyone gets to play when it comes to church. It's not about me or Hannah or the worship leader or whoever happens to be speaking. It's about everyone. We all get to play. And actually, church is better the more people who are playing. Now, a little caveat to that. I know that for a lot of people, their experience of church has meant that they really do not want to play right now. Thank you very much. Um, someone was telling me about a report that's come out recently about um, religious stress disorder, a bit like PTSD. And in fact, all the symptoms are exactly the same, and if anything, more dramatic. People who have felt abused, felt um, misunderstood or hurt by church or by other religious um, entities, the effects are just like actually coming back from a war. And to be honest, I don't think that should be a huge surprise given that what church is doing is trying to connect us to God and if God, is exi God exists, you know, let's just play this game, that God exists and he is who we are made for and then actually our experience of the place where we're supposed to connect with him is actually just abusive, that is going to have some serious psychological, emotional and spiritual effects on us, is it not? So, for all those reasons, if you need to take a break, you need to take a break. Allow yourself to be put back together. You can sit here and come as often and for as long as you like without ever getting involved. I mean that. Because it's very important that actually we are healed and restored by the living God. Nevertheless, I want to say that for all of us, we will fully come alive the more that we are able actually to feel part of something and to be involved and to be using our gifts. So then, the vision for the church, everyone gets to play, but no two people are the same. And the diversity of the church is just as important as our inherent unity. This is Paul's vision for that in the letter to Corinthians. Let me read you this. This is from chapter 12, starting at verse 12. Just as a body, though one has many parts... But all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Four, we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one same spirit to drink. So this is the unity bit. We are all together in complete um, uh, unity with Jesus. However, he goes on to say, verse 14, even so... The body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, you can kind of sense that Paul's really enjoying this little analogy, and he's really going to go for it. Ooh, look! Look! 
See how it works. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed all the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? Yes, we get it, Paul. As it is, there are many parts but one body. Unity and diversity. The problem is, I think, is often churches fall into the trap of going for one part of the body as their main focus, and the others sort of get left behind. So, and here is some PowerPoint. I know, this is exciting, but there's going to be some PowerPoint up there. I should tell you, do you know who Cliff Richard is? Does anyone know who Cliff Richard is? Okay. Uh, some <laughs> the, the two people who have some sort of connection to Britishness. Cliff Richard was a British pop star in the 60s who was our version of Elvis. But because he was British, it was Elvis without any of the sex or talent or quality, okay? So it was like boring Elvis. And Cliff um, is also a Christian, and he was very open about his Christian faith. This has got nothing to do with the talk, by the way, I just want to tell you this. But anyway, so Cliff became um, uh, a kind of um, Christian icon. But also the media would go, oh, Cliff, you know, so boring, so Christian. And then towards the end of his career, he would release a Christmas song every year, and that was what he was known for. But it was basically everything that bad, bad about Christianity and church. Anyway, I was doing a talk. My only other time I've ever used PowerPoint. I was doing a talk to people who didn't believe, and it was all going very, very well. And then, at one point, I said something like, and by the way, just if you join the church, you're not going to be Cliff Richard. And I put Cliff Richard up on the PowerPoint, and then I had this really bad um, animation that burned Cliff Richard. So all these flames came on and, and burned him. I know, it's, it was all right. I'd done this a few times, it had gone really well, but I did it this other time, and then two girls went, what, no! It turned out that Cliff was their actual godfather. They spent Christmases with him, they loved him, and I just burnt him on stage. Anyway, so there's none of that, just to warn you. Uh, anyway, so churches can focus on particular parts of the body to the detriment of others. So, it's not that these things aren't good, but they can take the whole focus. The first focus would be a church of love. We are going to primarily be a church of love and warmth. And their outward expression would be, is this gonna work? Yes, okay, so love. Their outward expression would be things like, we're going to serve the poor, we're going to um, try and heal uh, divides, we're going to show love to the community that we're in. The inward sign would be creating a sense of family and community and warmth and love. An alternative focus would be on the truth of the gospel. And these churches, their inward expression would be things such as ethics and teaching and doctrine and theology and holiness. These things are the most important. And their outward expression would be things like prophecy and um, promoting Christian ethics and values out in the world, uh, those sorts of things. Second one. Okay, and then the final one would be churches that concentrate mainly on impact. How can we have a big impact in the world? And the inward expression would be things like dramatic um, supernatural experiences of God, amazing conversions, and their outward exp um, uh, expression would be things like growth and church planting and evangelism. And let's just try and have as much influence as we possibly can all over the place. Three um, main focuses. Foci. 
But the problem is, when a church concentrates on one to the detriment of the others, like tends to attract like. And before you know it, the whole church is really only going down one path. And to be honest, it's usually because that's the path that the leaders feel most comfortable with. So when you have warm, loving leaders, the church will be warm and loving, but it might not be doing all the other stuff that church needs to do. But also, churches can go down one line over the others when there is a problem with their expression of what God is like. So, at the heart of every church needs to be God, obvs. However, Thank you so much. <laughs> Just said obs. I'm guessing because you think I shouldn't say obs because I'm old. Good. Anyway, at the heart of the church needs to be God. However, if you have quite a narrow view of what God is like, so for instance, if you concentrate just on the person of Jesus, or even more um, focused, if you concentrate just on what Jesus has done on the cross, for instance, and that is the heart of your church, then you'll talk a lot about substitutionary atonement, you'll talk a lot about sin, you'll talk a lot about grace, and you'll talk a lot about salvation, those sorts of things, but that will be it. So really, at the heart of any church, what we need is the whole of God, the whole Trinitarian picture of God. We need Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that we all experience, when we come to church, the fullness of him. The utter holiness and perfection and all-consuming power of the good father who loves his children unconditionally and always. The self-giving servant leadership of the son who identifies with us as humans in our weakness, who is the lamb who was slain, who saves the whole world. And the supernatural, indwelling, life-giving power of the spirit who is changing all of us from glory to glory to glory, who gives us his gifts so that we can actually be the people that we're supposed to be. We need to do it all, the whole trinity. It's why, and I know we will be... um, accused of this. We bang on about the Spirit a lot. Spirit, 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 Spirit. Now, we don't think the Spirit's any more important than Father and Son, but for some reason, for a lot of churches, the Spirit is actually kind of demoted to a kind of bit part. You know, if you like the Spirit, you can do that. It's like anchovies on a pizza. If you like him, go on, yeah, but we're, we're going to concentrate on Father and Son. We feel like, actually, we need to give everyone the same airtime. Good. So, That's the vision for bread, to do it all, and all of us can play. Because that's what it means to be a Trinitarian church. To be a church of disarming, loving, unconditionally accepting deep community. Where people really feel like they're known. Where people really feel like they're loved. Of a joints and marrow, piercing, freedom-giving, life-changing truth. Where people are changed by the truth of Jesus and a culture-shifting, influence-shaping, supernatural impact. That's what we want to do. Back to diversity. Our vision is to do it all, but that does not mean that every single one of us has to do every single thing. In fact, this, in my experience, is where churches fall down because the message they are given is you've got to do it all. Every single one of you. Now, as Christians, we obviously need to work towards love, truth, and impact in all our lives, as Jesus clearly demonstrates, the most loving, truthful, impactful person who has ever walked this earth. We're all called to grow up into him. 
but we don't, therefore, get to pick and choose which bits we like. But nevertheless, in my experience, our personalities, who we have been created as people, our giftings, will mean that we will tend towards one area over the others. And I think it's our job, Hannah and mine, to identify your gifts, to identify your personality, and then say, go and do the thing that you are greatest at. Have you, for instance, ever been in a small group led by someone who doesn't really like people? It's hard work. Or being taught something by someone who can't teach. But unfortunately, often churches do say things like, you need to do it all. You've got to do all. You've got to be the nicest, kindest, warm, welcomingest person in the world. And you've also got to be a prophet. And you've got to speak the truth. And you've got to be able to teach everyone everything. And you've also got to make a huge impact and have a great Instagram at the same time. You know, it's so much that people feel like, oh, I'm weighed under this. And I can't cope anymore. In Alice's excellent talk a couple of weeks ago about community, she made the point that actually to be a Christian is to be part of community. We're not really actually going to survive without it. We can't really grow without it. Not because we're coming together as a like-minded group of people like train enthusiasts. Oh, great, we all love trains. But actually because we're quite diverse. But when we get together, we experience God's change through people who are different to us because it's not just a community. It is a supernatural counterculture. That's what happens. So... We can't actually exist without community, but that's not to say that every single one of us is highly gifted at creating it. So, what shape are you? What type of person are you? This is a rhetorical question. Don't feel like you have to answer. Are you primarily motivated by love? Is this what gets you out of bed in the morning? Is this what drives you at your core? This is the loneliest of cities. It's a horribly lonely, deathly city. People sit in their cars, they interact with no people, they share their lives on social media, and people don't know people. Are you someone who at their core is going, I love people, I want to bring people together, I want to show love to people? Because also, this is one of the most narcissistic places on earth. But are you the sort of person that rises above all that narcissism and all that, hey, look at me, I'm amazing, and go, I just want to love you. I just want to bring you into community and share our lives with you. I want to bring healing and love and joy and peace to your lives and all the lives around people. Is that what motivates you? I would say partly because of what Hannah and I are like. And we're, I'm just going to be honest with you, we're, we're actually quite British, we're quite cold people. I'm not trying to excuse that, I'm not trying to say that it's good, I'm just saying that's what we're like. I'm trying to be better, I'm a lot more warm than I used to be, <laughs> imagine that. Imagine what I was like. But what we could really do within the church is more warmth. It's people coming and going, wow, I feel really like I belong. Hannah and I went to a kind of school open day over the weekend. And there, um, it was sort of an open day where obviously they're trying to sell the school. But we walked in and all the staff were there. Lots of parents were there. Lots of kids had given up their Saturday to come. And they were just so nice. 
They were so nice and so welcoming, and they looked you in the eye, and they took a real interest, but didn't feel like they were selling anything. It also didn't feel like they were doing the LA thing, where they're going, oh yeah, you're really warm, but you're just wondering whether you can get something out of me. It's just warmth, because they really believe in the school. They really believe in it, and they want people to feel part of it. That's what we need to try and create. And there are some people here who do that brilliantly well, but we could do with more warmth. Or are you primarily driven by truth? Is this what gets you out of bed in the morning? I can't think of a more important time in the history of this country in particular where the division-shattering truth of Jesus' gospel needs to be shouted from the rooftops. Contrary to popular opinion, there aren't some things that the church should talk about and some things they really should steer clear of. I mean, that's obviously complete nonsense, right? Because Jesus is interested in the whole of our lives, everything that affects us. He has an opinion about everything. And it's why, since we've been here, we've talked about women and equality. It's why we've talked about guns and idolatry and freedom. It's why we've talked about racism and immigration and greed and money and religious abuse. Because these are the things that affect us, and Jesus has got opinions about all of it. And it's good for us to know what Jesus actually thinks. Can you, just for a moment, imagine Jesus? There he is, beard. Can you imagine him going, Oh, no, I don't really want to talk about that. Because I don't, I don't want to offend anyone. No, 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 no. Leave that, to, leave that to the politics. Can you imagine that? Right. So, isn't it on us, the obligation on us, to allow what Jesus thinks about absolutely everything to affect our whole hearts and minds? And to be honest, most of our beliefs, they don't live in our heads they live in our hearts. And the person who changes our hearts is not clever thinking. It's the spirit of the living God. So let us allow him to affect every single part of us. It will be good for us. It will be good for us. And let's also admit that we might not know right now as we're sitting what Jesus thinks about things. We might not actually want to hear what he says about things. We might actually not want to admit that our parents were wrong or our pastors were wrong or the media is wrong or culture is wrong. But we do know that Jesus is and always will be entirely right. And our job is to try and open ourselves to everything. So are you a speaker of truth? Are you, at your core, this is what drives you to your core, a prophet? You know what people are going to remember most from this service? It's not this excellent talk that I'm giving. I know, it's so annoying. It's not, it's those prophetic words. It's those words about Jesus is coming after the rain has fallen to make everything clear for you for people who are feeling like they don't know, they've been bruised and battered and they don't really know whether they fit and what church is for. That people feeling like God has just overlooked them and they've been overlooked and they've been overlooked and that he doesn't care. Do you know why? Because that's Jesus speaking to you. Now hopefully he's going to speak through what I'm saying, but really that's just straight to the heart what you need to hear. So um, when Hannah's giving her prophetic word about basically this talk, I'm just crying. 
Because that's what all we really needed to hear. That you, whoever you are, can be used in great power. Because that's the kind of God we serve. He wants to use us all. However messed up or broken, he just wants to use us and wants to put us back together. Are you a speaker of truth? Are you a prophet? We're, um, we're blessed. I didn't mean to say that. We're so blessed, uh, just because I don't like jargon. Uh, but we're really lucky to have a number of um, uh, artists in the church. And we need more art as a demonstration of what God thinks, of his gospel cutting through prophetic words to the world out there that there is hope, that there is joy, that there is goodness, but not, not, not acknowledging that actually life is pretty difficult out there. I'd like to put on an art exhibition, just a thought. Are you that sort of person, driven by truth and justice? Prophesy. These people have just learned to prophesy. They couldn't prophesy before, and then they learned to prophesy by prophesying. Anyone can prophesy. Paul says it. Learn to prophesy. Learn to hear the voice of God. We'll never get it completely right. Come, speak, because you, know, you do not know what impact that would have on people's lives. So learn to do that if that's you. Or is it social justice? We want to be more and more involved. We're trying to talk to more organizations in and around this part of town where we can actually drive that. Anyway, enough on that. Finally, are you primarily driven by impact? I was talking to a friend uh, last week, and he was saying, thing is, I come to church, and all I'm thinking is how are people who don't believe hearing everything. That's all I think about. I don't really care whether it's theologically correct. I don't really care if people talk to me or if I'm made to feel welcome. All I care about is, are the people who don't believe having a good experience, and is it speaking to them? I have a lot of sympathy with, with that because that's basically what I do. That's how I'm focused. And really what it speaks of is I want this to grow. I want the people who don't believe, who have been hurt by church, to come in and go, yes, 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 yes. This is great. This is good. Is that you? Is that what primarily drives you? I want this to go out and to be huge and to be big and to have lots of people come in, not because we want a huge big church, but because everyone needs Jesus. Everyone needs this power. I want to see the lame healed. I want to see the, uh, the blind receive their sight. I want to see people receive the powerful truth of the gospel that completely changes their lives. And despite what the media may have made of Jesus, despite what the church may have made of Jesus, I want them to meet the real thing because that's all all that matters. Is that you? Bring everyone you know to the carol service. It will be great for them. Next January, and by that I mean January, we are doing an um, alpha course. This is going to be at Covel uh, Bar. We've got a private room at Covel, which is just down the road. Hip kind of cool bar thing. We'll have cheese and meats and wine. And we're going to talk um, about all the reasons that people have for going. I don't believe in Jesus, but I'm quite interested. And it will be a sort of apologetic, a chance for people to raise any issues, any questions. And we're going to do that for probably about 40 or 50 people. We did a couple of these courses last year. It's perfect for people who go, I couldn't go to church, but I want to talk about these things. Do you know people who you could bring to that? Bring them. Five, sun, five Wednesdays nights on Covel down the road. It's a great thing. Is that you?
Let me end with this. This is the end of his section on unity and diversity. If I can find it. Yes, here we go. Halfway through verse 24. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. No division. Michelle Obama went to London last week to talk to a girls' school that she talked to nine years ago, I think, and she said it was one of the most pivotal moments of her president, not her presidency, her vice, no, what is she? The other one. Flotus? Yes. Um, And she was talking, so it's just a girls' school, um, very diverse, uh, economically pretty poor, and they were asking her what would she most like to say to them to come back. She said this. We as women don't have the luxury of tearing each other down. There are enough barriers out there. There are enough people out there ready to tear us down. Our job is to lift each other up. So we have to start practicing now. There is no room for mean girls and cliques and social complications that naturally come at your age. I want you to be mindful of that. That is one thing that we can do better as women. We can take better care of each other. It's not just women though, is it? I think as Christians, we haven't got time to take each other down. It's hard enough already, isn't it? Actually believing what we believe, living as we want to live, We haven't got time for it. What we need to do is to build each other up. What we need to do is, particularly in this city, where it's so easy to be resentful of other people's success, so easy to be going, how how you, you you do not deserve, I deserve, you don't deserve it, you, oh, yeah, well done. Don't we actually need to go... Let's remember where we've come from and who we are. And if you're unsure, let me just remind you, we've come from this place of knowing that Jesus, he's the powerful one so we don't have to be. He's the one who builds us up so we don't have to build ourselves up. He's the one who's seen us just as we are in all our mixed shades of gray and said, you're the one I want. I'm going to pour my perfect life in you. If there's anyone who should not be spending any time with us, it's Jesus, absolutely perfect. But yet he's going to say, I'm going to pour my life into you and build you up. And so you don't need to clamber over other people. You don't need to abuse people in order to get ahead because Jesus is going to defend you. He is going to pull you up. He is going to always have your back. People in Jesus' kingdom 
aren't trying to make a name for themselves because they already know exactly who they are. So if you don't, allow Jesus to tell you it's what he most wants to do, that he thinks that you're the special one, the one in whom he has put his whole life so that you can shine. And then, verse 26, we can start honoring one another. If one part is honored, the whole thing is honored. I went to um, someone's gig the other day, and um, the, the band just started pr- playing, and I burst into tears. I'm doing a lot of crying recently. But I burst into tears because it was so good. And I burst into tears because I know the guy, and it's just like, this is what you were created to do. This is what, I find it moving. People doing what they were most created to do. And it's like, you're completely inhabiting this. You are hugely talented. You're just doing it, and I'm in tears. Can't stop myself. I, I just found it so joyful. Now, that's easy because I don't want to be a pop star. I could be, if I wanted to. Honestly, that ship has sailed. But, you know, if I wanted to, I could. It's easy for me because I don't feel threatened. Do you know what I do feel threatened by? Here's something really sad. Other church leaders. How come you've got such a big church? You're an idiot. (laughs) Completely honestly. But we're working on it. Let's be the champions of one another. Let's see people using their gifts, being who they are, and going, yes, yes. And let's do that for one another, shall we? That's the honoring bit. Here's the suffering bit. And I end with this. If one part suffers, every part suffers. Now, on one level, this is Paul saying, so let's be involved, because if you're not using your gifts, then the whole thing's suffering. But there's also something else going on here, which is this. When a part is suffering, we all suffer. So let's look after the parts that are suffering, shall we? Because it affects all of us. It's very easy to be friends with people when they're doing great. I've often thought, Tom Hanks seems... I mean, he's obviously very rich, very successful. He just constantly seems to be fun. And a nice guy. Whenever you see him in interviews, he's just fun. I reckon I could be really good friends with Tom. Me and him, we would get on like a house on fire because he's always happy. He's just great. But when the stuff hits the fan, that's when we really actually need to look after each other and actually go, you're suffering. We're all suffering because you're suffering. How can we help? That's what church is. Let's look after each other. Let's honor each other. Let's not go for any sort of division or clique. And let's be who we are and encourage each other so that we can build God's kingdom. There's nothing more important. It will last forever. It's here now. Amen.